Welcome to the Digital Health Insights Podcast, where NZ Hits CEO Scott Arrell brings you key thought leaders to share their experience, views, and vision on all things digital health and more. Full tech enablement is essential for creating world-class health systems, and Scott's guests discuss how this can be achieved, the challenges that need addressing, the opportunities it creates, and the benefits delivered to health, disability, and social care services in New Zealand and worldwide. Kia ora katoa. Welcome to Digital Health Insights, and I'm Scott Arrell, CEO of NZ Health IT, who are the sponsors of this podcast. Recently, I was really pleased to be asked by Natalie Yaden of Impetus Digital to join her in one of her very popular fireside chats. It was fantastic to join Natalie for this virtual session where she was sitting at her place in Toronto, Canada, and I was in Auckland's North Shore here in little old New Zealand Aotearoa. Forgive the pun, but we got on like a house on fire. It was then a pleasure to have Natalie join me as my guest for this podcast episode. Natalie's career in the healthcare sector, particularly pharmaceuticals, and then as founder and managing director of Impetus Digital is extensive. It was excellent to hear about her journey, how she came up with the idea for the unique solution that Impetus now provides, and how she's gone about growing it into a substantial global enterprise. I'm not going to go into too much detail in this introduction, as you'll hear all about Natalie and Impetus Digital when listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll find the link to our Fireside Chat video recording, and the Impetus Digital website is simply impetusdigital.com. That's one word, Impetus Digital, I-M-P-E-T-U-S-D-I-G-I-T-A-L.com. You'll find this link in the notes as well. Make sure to tap the subscribe and share buttons on your favorite podcast app so as many people as possible can listen to Natalie's story. Particularly if you're in New Zealand or Australia, I'm sure you'll have colleagues and people in your network who have not heard about Impetus Digital before, and now is the time to check them out as they're going to be more active in the APAC region over the coming months. You can also get in touch directly with me by sending an email to ceo at nzhit.nz and also check out our website at nzhit.nz. There's heaps of information, resources, blogs, and events that you can find out about all for free. Well, Let's not keep Natalie waiting any longer. Hi there, Natalie. Um, thank you very much for joining us. I believe uh, you're in Toronto right now. So we've just started our weekend as we're recording this today. So yeah, it's a Saturday, lovely Saturday morning here. And I believe it's around about 5 p.m. on a Friday. So our weekend is starting and your working week is 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 just ending. So how is it, how are things there? Yeah, it's lovely. I mean, this is always great because I always enjoy being able to speak to somebody who's in the future. So um, that's always fun. And uh, not only that, but this is the only other time that I can have a glass of wine while you're having a cup of coffee. So uh, uh, what better way to start <laughs> or end your day? But uh, no, all this kidding aside, I mean, uh, you know, although I'm from Canada, there's so many things that we have in common uh, with you in New Zealand, including, you know, the, you know, the, the, the way our governments work, a little bit more of our socialist view on healthcare and a whole numerous other things. So I think there's a lot of commonalities here. I think there is. And I was just telling you offline that um, my wife's folks are from Canada and we've got a lot of uh, relatives over there um, spread right throughout Canada. And uh, we, they come and visit us. Uh, we've been over there once and uh, loved it. And the, there is, commonality in the sort of cultures in a way and the and the, the way of thinking uh, that we kind of enjoy 
taking uh, poking fun at each other and you know which which is a thing that kiwis have made an art form of of course <laughs> absolutely um and very much so we also relate to uh, our aussie aussie friends as well and uh we're always considered even in the healthcare space as being kind of the experimental grounds um mm-hmm. just because of our audiences it's a small group of people it's easy to dip into data and I think, you know, other countries like the U.S. like to do their quote unquote healthcare pilots in countries like Canada, the Australia and in New Zealand. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've been, referred to New Zealand being a, a petri dish for sort of experimentation or pilots from by multinationals and you know, in lots of different ways, actually. And we even when it comes to the Internet, we were one of the first to sort of adopt it as as a widespread use and and then international companies uh, using it to sort of uh, how do we what's the uptake like for certain apps and all those sort of things. So we, you know, we do experience that and yeah, definitely our friends are across the ditch as we call it in Australia. So, um, and tell us a bit about where you're at. I went to Toronto once uh, many years ago and we just, uh, we were, I was at a conference and we were effectively parked, you know, staying right in the center there. The, the, um, your big tower was just behind the hotel we were staying in and, uh, of course, went up there, but I got no opportunity to go around Toronto at all, which was which was unfortunate. So, uh, tell us a little bit about your city. You know, how are you? Is it snowing there right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, because we actually have the complete opposite. We're in the dead of summer, uh, actually, just on the tail end, <laughs> just like you're you're in in your winter. So, uh, we love it here. We get the, these beautiful. We've had an absolutely stunning summer with day, you know, back to back sunny days, which is very uh, unusual. Uh, for us because we oftentimes get a lot of humid weather but yes we're my office is located in downtown Toronto at the Bay and Esplanade area Toronto is just a booming city it literally is of the same caliber with pre-COVID the type of nightlife culture restaurants uh, uh, all sorts of arts and culture very similar to New York City or to Chicago in the U.S. Uh, obviously since COVID We've had some really interesting and very eerie photo shoots of the streets when there was not a single car. And I don't think I've ever in my entire lifetime seen that. So there's been some really interesting uh, views, if you will, of the city um, and a lot of questions about what the city is going to look like and do. I'm sure you're probably hearing similar things in Auckland and other sorts of key central uh, areas of commerce as people are looking for ways to migrate into more of the suburbs where you can get a bigger home, especially since we're doing a lot more work at home type types of initiatives and opportunities. So it's um, it's a very interesting world. I, I think that we've only entered this. I don't think we have all the answers of what our city is going to look like. And I think in addition to this is the question about real estate, because Although a lot of people are moving away from these expensive real estate properties that have occupied a lot of companies, be it healthcare, pharmaceutical, life science companies, there's always somebody who's going to scoop it up. And yes, one of my sure. predictions has always been Amazon, and that's very much what they're doing. They're sco- scooping up really inexpensive real estate and using them for inexpensive distribution centers that are close to people's homes. So uh, I think the world continues, and I think it's going to be a very interesting observation in the next several years. 
Yeah, and it is a good observation. And we'll actually, before we finish, um, towards the end of this uh, session, we'll have a talk about what the future looks like. And um, look, I, I apologize. I, I was being very facetious about the snow comment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as I mentioned, with uh, my wife's cousins and family over in Canada, particularly in the sort of Winnipeg, uh, Manitoba area, which, uh, you, know, you know, they send us photos in their winter with, you know, the snow. I, I don't think you can actually see the houses most of the time, the snow's <laughs> covering them. And, and so we always poke a bit of fun and say, yeah, it's always winter in Canada and, and it's always summer here in New Zealand. So, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, it is. And lovely. It's the CN Tower, isn't it? The the big tower. We went we went up there when we were visiting Toronto. Hopefully you went into the revolving restaurant that they had up there. Actually, we didn't. No. Uh, oh, that's something to be said. You get to see all the waterfront and there's a, an airport that's that's actually oh, wow. uh, been set up there now and lots of activity. So that's definitely next time you come to Toronto, you absolutely yep. get to come yeah, down next time. and Definitely. eat at that restaurant. <laughs> yeah, lovely. We will def definitely do that. So, um, and you've touched a bit about the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, we in New Zealand are currently, as I speak to you in Auckland, we're in what we call level three and the rest of the country is level two. So we, we got on top of uh, the outbreak and then we had about a just over 100 days of no community transmission. And then then um, it's 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 a really sneaky virus. This it just, just sneaks out and then off it goes again. So we uh, sort of crack down hard and fast to go back into these levels to try and get on top of it. And, you know, things are progressing. Uh, in relative terms quite well uh, and in Toronto and in Canada you and in your state how is it going uh, for for you guys yeah so um, we have our stages in reverse of how you refer to it so you're in lockdown three that's actually mm. the best place that we're getting so we go from one two to three three is actually becomes more and more free so we're the opposite of how you refer to it so the province of Ontario, for the most part, is in stage three, which is much freer. As we were talking um, earlier, uh, we're now getting ready for kids getting back to school and wearing masks. There's all kinds of things that are actually being sanctioned, lots of money getting put into hiring nurses for, for schools and institutions, uh, being able to hire more teachers, making sure there's appropriate spacing staggering when students are coming in and all sorts of other uh, other sorts of things that are happening uh, financially and economically a lot of money being put into local businesses to be able to create C uh, PPD um, and also uh, being able to help people with what we're calling here you know it's a type of universal basic income we have a program called CERB uh, and it's going to be extended into some lengthy sort of um, employment insurance just to help people continue on and be able to bridge into skill and rescale. But as it relates to the COVID virus, we're pretty steady. We've done some really good things, a lot of smart things. Uh, we've had some concerns because it is the summer here of people in the 20s and 30s going out and partying, and then we end up having some issues with that. But I think for the most part, we're looking at steady numbers decreasing over time. We're not seeing, you know, crazy, uh, you know, increase or spikes, which is encouraging, but also need to leave the caveat. I think a lot of people are getting alarmed, but what we are seeing, even though there is showing cases, it's only because we're increased the amount of contact tracing as well as testing. So I think everybody needs to put that in a context in relation to the ratio of death versus uh, cases de detected. Uh, and I think when we look at it from that perspective, we're doing very, very well in Canada.
Yes, when I looked at this, the stats and that, it's uh, in a way quite similar to what we're experiencing. And uh, and we're lucky, of course, because New Zealand's an island nation. So we, we've uh, been able to control our borders fairly well. Um, you've got a neighbouring country that was, is probably causing a bit of concern and uh, you'd be watching your borders pretty tightly, I'd imagine. Yeah, we extended the, uh, the moratorium on travel. Um, it's kind of strange. I mean, honestly, the airlines, I'm sure you're probably seeing the same thing with you, are ailing and biting at the bullet uh, to get back in the skies uh, without a, an outright bailout for these, uh, these folks. They're doing everything they can. And so they're trying to follow federal legislation, which has some loopholes on when you can actually travel to the U.S., but at the same time, our borders are closed. So it is a little confusing. People have to navigate it appropriately. But for the most part, yes, they're, they're having a, a fairly difficult time keeping the, the COVID-19 virus in check in the U.S. and in a myriad of different states. So we obviously have to protect ourselves here in Canada. Yeah, and yeah, good good luck with that. I'm sure yeah, things are, seem to be flowing in the right direction for you at the moment, and, uh, and I hope that continues. Um, Natalie, obviously in preparation for this podcast, I did a bit of research on you, and uh, you pro- you also, I wanted to thank you because you invited me to join you in one of your fire- fireside chats recently, and I really enjoyed that experience, and uh, we'll be circulating the that recording and, and the podcast that's come from that uh, in the next week or so, and um, so that, and I'm sure you did a bit of research on me to prepare for that one. So I did. I've done uh, the same in return, of course. So you know, your background's fascinating, to be honest. You've uh, you know extensive career in the healthcare and particularly pharmaceutical industry and um, entrepreneur. You you do some you do lecturing and um, you're an inductee in the top 100 inspiring people in pharma. So that's a you know I'd like you to what is the inspiring people in pharma? That sounds amazing. Yeah, I mean, that was a little while back when I was in pharma because I've been running my company as an entrepreneur for the last 12 years. So that does go back a little bit. Um, It was really just, you know, doing strategy. At the time, I was working for a large biotech firm in San Francisco called Genentech and was launching a new product at the time. It's not a product, new product anymore. I believe it's genericized, but it was a product called Herceptin and we launched it in the adjuvant breast cancer space. And uh, so there was a lot of strategy and, and getting groups and people and, and motivating teams. And so that was one of the things, I guess, that got me voted in for uh, for that particular honor. Yeah, and uh, good on you, even though it's a little while ago. It's, um, you know, that's something that you'd be very proud of. And, and uh, yeah, that's obviously led you into, you know, with forming Impetus Digital. And uh, actually, I see you've read a book, you've wrote, written a book as well, The Healthcare Heretic. So um, is that just recently or is it no, in the I last two or three years? No, a couple of years ago. It's actually available on Amazon, The Healthcare Heretic. And believe it or not, I um, for a few years, Audible did not allow Canadians, anybody who was not American was not able to use Audible, but now we are. So my audio book is going to be coming out any day now. Um, so it, it is kind of interesting that I called it the healthcare heretic, unbeknownst to myself that we would be living in a time of pivotal disruption in the healthcare space. So I guess it's getting launched at the at the right time. So there you go. Yeah, timing's an amazing thing. You just you do something and you're not sure what what it might lead to, but uh, yeah, the, as you say, there you go. And uh, impetus uh, digital. You um, you know what was this kind of uh, I guess the 
the seed that got that going? You know, what you know, maybe let, let for our listeners t- tell us a bit about what Impetus does, and but what I'm interested in as an entrepreneur yourself, you know, so where where did the, the thought process come from that you're going to set this up and and it's become quite you know it's obviously experienced a lot of growth. So you know, give us a bit of back, background on that. Yeah, fantastic, Scott. So. As we had mentioned, I was in the pharmaceutical industry uh, for about 18 years in a myriad of different roles, Canada, the U.S., etc. And um, in some of my more leadership roles, when I was like a marketing director or business development uh, director, is we were spending a lot of time preparing for presentations, internal leadership meetings, jumping on planes to go to advisory board meetings, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. We would go and have these meetings, these phenomenal meetings, and have these fantastic, thought-provoking conversations with our stakeholders, with always with the intention of wanting to continue this great conversation. And that was always the intention. But then I had to jump onto a plane and prepare for another presentation and get to <laughs> another meeting. So there was always the sense that there was never an ability to connect the dots or to be able to continue that really pivotal conversation. And part of the issue with that was also from the customer experience. Sometimes I refer to it almost as like being in the matrix. In your space and in your perspective, you're going at a thousand miles a minute and you're speaking to all your stakeholders all the time. But from the individual stakeholder standpoint, they may be seeing you once a year if they're lucky. So so there's a difference in the perspective. So what what we really felt when we started Impetus Digital is that there was a gap. There was an actual opportunity for us to say, we need to connect the dots, not only for the the life science companies, pharmaceutical, biotech, medical device companies, to stay in contact, to be able to give their stakeholders updates, and to be able to tease out and pull out insights and to collaborate, but also for the seamlessness of that interaction with the stakeholders with the companies. I don't know if you've ever felt that way before where you've tried to give people feedback and then suddenly you're in a black abyss and you have no idea what went went on with your feedback. So closing yeah, no, that no, I, was I have experienced the that. start of, of impetus of, of us being able to create that bridge, that platform to be able to uh, continue those conversations in what we call a longitudinal manner. Mm. That's a, a fascinating. And you know, so twelve years ago, you know, that's it's doesn't not that long ago, frankly. But to be thinking in that way, uh, twelve years ago, uh, you know, and then fast forward to now, and obviously with COVID. But you have experienced growth outside of COVID in any case, haven't you? And then I imagine with COVID coming along, you you would be getting some exponential growth as well. Absolutely. And thank you for mentioning that. I will tell you that the world was a very different place 12 years ago. You know, when you kind of have an idea that's a little ahead of the game and people don't Mm -hmm. really get it, that's where we were. It's very similar to the technologies that are available today that only people are gravitating to. For example, Mm -hmm. telehealth. Telehealth Mm. was around for many, many years, but there was only a very small percentage of physicians and institute health healthcare institutions that were using it. But now, unfortunately, COVID-19 was a bit of an accelerant, a change Mm. accelerant, um, getting people to have to rapidly adopt technologies that they were avoiding in the past. So our company was doing always very well, um, you know, throughout the, you know, the 12 years, uh, we actually have clients in Canada, the U.S., the Middle East. We have 
people that we work with in Africa, Latin America, Asia, Europe, as well as Australia. And, um, but we have seen a gigantic leap since COVID-19. And the reason for that is because a lot of people have had to go to find platforms to virtualize their in-person, their traditional legacy in-person meetings. And those in-person meetings can be everything from a stakeholder advisory board, where people normally fly everybody to a hotel or sort of fancy conference, you know, if they're going to a key healthcare conference and get people in a room. Um, it could be an investigator meeting that people are doing protocols or amendment discussions, or they're getting people together for education or to help co-author medical education materials, et cetera. But the other thing that has been coming to the table is people needing to virtualize their internal meetings. People are used to actually having these big giant sales and medical science liaison as conference, you know, sessions where they're doing brand plan, POA rollouts and all sorts of things. So there's been a gigantic need internally and then externally with their customers to find some mechanisms to be able to keep moving the needle forward with their brands and with their businesses. Hmm. And, and what's the sweet spot, if I can call it that? You know, we, you know, in New Zealand, it's very similar to what you're saying. You've experienced um, with your business and where you're doing business. So, you know, we've had that sort of ex exponential growth. Telehealth, you know, was uh, very much one of those, and um, you know, our sort of primary care area wasn't really ready for it, but had to get to grips with it really, really quickly. Um, and that's accelerated, and it'll continue on. Uh, but you must have a sweet spot to get that sort of growth, even in a time of COVID. Uh, your system I mean, must really be be hitting the mark for, you know, the the people that are using it or thinking about using it. Yeah, so great point, Scott. And I think what the sweet spot is that we have determined, or basically, in other words, what our competitive differentiation is, is we're not just a software play. Because let's be frank, Scott, uh, Scott, in this world, it's a freeonomics. Most software is free. You can probably get something free where you can do collaboration somewhere, right? So you can't beat free. So what is differentiated here is a couple of things. First of all, our platform is very specific for healthcare and the kinds of things and the kinds of interactions the pharmaceutical, medical device, biotech companies do with their stakeholders. So it's very customized. In addition, the tools that we have built natively in our platform are extremely customizable, which people love. So we have, for example, one asynchronous tool that we call idea mapping. And so it's like a gamified version, either of a SWOT analysis or, for example, swim lanes that we create that are, look like lines of therapy and little pictures of drugs where people can move them around. So it's these fun, asynchronous, compelling and relevant, what we call touch points. Uh, that mm. people, so it's very relevant to healthcare and it's very unique and very customized. The other thing that makes this really important is the barrier to entry because we have a really keen understanding around privacy, being GDPR, HIPAA compliant, PEPIDA compliant, um, making sure that people's information and what they share within these advisory boards are, are very protected. And also because of the know-how around pharma compliance is how do we deal with that information, but also things like contracting, recruitment, um, Sunshine Act, all sorts of other things that are important as part of that package of the software. 
Added on top of that, we provide a cost-effective mechanism in which to work through the platform. One of the things that we find is across the board is pharma people generally, or healthcare people in the healthcare space, are so busy with their own gig, they don't have time to be niggling around in software, figuring out, even though it can be really simple, they ultimately want somebody to do it for them. They want to be the idea generators. They want to be the strategists. So what we overlay on the software is the professional services. So instead of these companies having to go to a vendor for their software, a vendor for their consulting, a vendor for this, a medical writer, and then they're overwhelmed with dealing with multiple people with potential duplication of effort and then the added cost of doing that, they can work with one vendor, which is what Impetus, with a very customizable and highly secure platform, while at the same time being able to utilize us for consulting all of our best practices from the past 12 years. You should use this tool. You should do this. Uh, all of our project management and our digital solutions to create their, their platforms and to do um, all the final reports using our medical writers. So it's a soup to nuts um, solution. But again, one of the key things is because we work with clients across the board, we even work with medical communication agencies. What we did is the cherry on top of that. So not only the software, but the professional services is we made the whole thing um, completely customizable, meaning at a pricing level. You pay for what you need. If you need this service, you pay for it. If you don't need it because you're using another vendor, you don't have to pay it. So it, we've, we've really catered to everybody's specific unique needs. And because of that, we, come, we have people coming to us from all different angles about how they want to employ impetus in their particular challenge or their uh, particular project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, and that customizable nature of it is if, yeah, probably one of the uh, real attractions for it. And, you know, I've uh, coming back to what you asked the question, you know, that w- we would have experienced, uh, you know, it as well. And, you know, I've got members, you know, the NZ hit are saying, I've clearly and obviously saying, look, you know, there, there's a embargo on travel. We've, we've got to just get used to this this rem- remote world or online world. And, yeah, the connectivities, you know, you it's not as good. You know, some are using a free version of, of a, you know, a video conferencing system or, or if not free, it's quite cheap. Um, and then trying to use that to run workshops and whether it's internal or with their stakeholders. And it's kind of a, you know, I guess a needs must situation at the moment, but I don't see it lasting. I think the quality and and I guess the uh, just the whole nature of the thing is going to brings forward your system, uh, makes it, you know, so that it's possibly sounds to me like the next best thing to being in the room with each other and, you know, writing on a whiteboard and using post-it notes and all that sort of stuff that we've become used to. Um, we've got to get used to now doing it in a virtual way, don't we? Yeah. And it's kind of interesting that you say that because there's really two very distinct ways that we call a touch point. One is considered synchronous virtual, which is quite frankly, Scott, what we're doing right now. So synchronous meaning real time. We're in a real time meeting. A lot of times people still want to do this. They want to have an advisory board or they want to have an actual real time discussion. So Impetus works on the back end. We orchestrate, we produce it. We have all kinds of bells and whistles that we do in that regard. But equally, some people would like to indulge in what we call an asynchronous virtual touch point. So asynchronous means it's not real time. Mm, We build private portals that are white labeled for our clients. So they have their brands, their branding, their logo, their 
um, a URL that's very distinct for them and it's completely responsive on any device, a phone, tablets, computers. So their advisors could come in, they could log in on any device at any time that's convenient for them over one to three weeks. And Impetus will do all the customized reminders, text message reminders, and our clients will have access to an on-demand activity tracker so they can see who has completed what at any given time. So it, it's nice to have this play, this interplay. So for example, if we were running a meeting, these can be very energy depleting. Because mm. unlike a live meeting, Scott, where you can go and have a coffee or you can get up and go to the bathroom or go and speak to somebody in the hallway, when we're in these Zoom meetings and, and that sort of thing, we don't have that luxury. So we try to tighten that up and bring some of the more didactic, presentation style data things in an asynchronous virtual pre-work so that can, we can really focus on the more interactive, discussion-based panel discussions in the actual synchronous virtual advisory board, if you will. So we kind of bring that touch, but you're absolutely right, is this is kind of becoming the new normal. And although I can see the day where we can go back to the live meetings, because Impetus does, did those as well, is there are going to be people asking a lot of questions like, wow, we got some really high caliber responses. We call it uh, through electronic brainstorming, uh, high quantity, high quality. Um, maybe we don't need to have as many in-person meetings. Like we can have some, but maybe we can actually from a, a cost effectiveness and from a quality standpoint, maybe start supplanting some of these with these virtual touch points. Yeah, and that's right because not if we just peel it all the way back, it's uh, you know from a cost basis and you know efficiency and effectiveness. You know we what's happening now is you know, large and small, medium organisations are seeing um, actually we don't have to put people on planes all of the time. And as we come through this period, probably over the next couple of years, we will you know we'll be getting more back on planes and going to meet with each other and have sessions. And that that that's kind of like a human thing to do. Uh, but they'll, I'm already getting feedback from some members that you know, their organizations are saying, okay, well, we're, we're just going to slash you know, 50% off our travel budget. That's, you know, and actually, that's expected to be long-term, not just now. And you know, so this, their managers and their people are just starting to adjust to that. And, and a lot of them are saying to me, actually, that's really good. I don't mind that. Um, you know, this sort of perpetual travel, and, and I think you mentioned it earlier, you're sort of one meeting to another, then you're back on a plane or, or driving or whatever. Um, when you're talking about advisory panels, and uh, particularly I can see a major benefit there with, um, you know, so, so patient advisory panels and those sort of things because we, uh, you know, we can bring people together, you know, that might be a certain uh, sort of health state that we want to investigate and, and work on how does how does it work with uh, technology and so forth. So you you bring people from, you know, various age groups, uh, various um, parts of the country. So I'm talking about New Zealand, you know, to do a session and quite often it's a one-day session. Um, yeah, that, putting the cost aside, you know, that's quite disruptive for a hang of a lot of people. Uh, and let alone, you know, if we're talking people that may be in a vulnerable health state and they're providing, you know, they're part of your advisory group, um, you're bringing them all together in one place for one day. Yeah, that in some regards isn't the safest thing to do either. So, so I can see that the quality of uh, and the safety aspect is being important. Yeah, I mean, it, you bring up some really, really important points, Scott. I mean, these are the questions a lot of people are asking themselves is 
how do we do this safely and uh, and securely and cost effectively? And so as you were talking about patients, absolutely patients, especially ones who are immunocompromised in a myriad of different conditions like cancer patients, et cetera, um, we need to you know create these safe uh, areas for them to be able to to share not only securely but also from for for their health conditions. Uh, one of the the features that we actually have in our platform are these auto translation buttons. So we can actually work with Australians at the same time as working with the Italians, and everybody can put their comments in in their own language, and they can click on the translation buttons. Um, we also actually work with MS patients, so. We, uh, we have a button called speech to text. So if somebody is having some dexterity issues, they just click the button and they speak their answer and it records it for them. So there's okay, a lot of things right. that we've done around to cater and even for physicians, if they're happen to be in their car and just want to participate that way, they can as well. Um, and what's really intriguing about the asynchronous virtual is we did a, a study not that long ago where we evaluated the cost per word from a live meeting versus the cost per word retrieved through the asynchronous virtual. And we found that it went, believe it or not, from $22 a word from the live meeting to 55 cents. And here's what we mean by electronic brainstorming is the data supports that there's 71% more ideas generated per participant in an EBS session, um, 37% increase in, um, uh, in participation because of what we call group solitary sequencing and also a large percentage of reduction in redundancy because people are not as um, thrown off, if you will, by some of the more verbose and opinionated individuals that are usually the biggest speakers in the room. But the other part that we sometimes don't think about, we call it production blocking. EBS doesn't have production blocking because in a typical either synchronous virtual or in a live meeting, in an in-person meeting, you can only have one person speaking at the same time. And, and in this regard, everybody is generating their comments. Everybody feels a certain level or layer of anonymity, so they're a bit freer. And a lot of people who go in the medical space are generally very analytical in nature. Mm, so instead of giving them that opportunity in the in-person meeting for that knee-jerk reaction to the data that they're seeing for the very first time, you're giving them a chance to look at the data, ruminate about it, see what their colleagues have to say, and then type out a very thoughtful comment, um, use it going into flow of consciousness, of, as, as you can see, and there's also peer influence because they want to put a good comment in. So we get very, we get very high volume and very high quality commentary uh, when they use their our, uh, asynchronous tools. Yeah, and that, having that sort of specialization and, and understanding of the healthcare sector, that, that's clearly coming through there, isn't it? That's the um, that's what will generate that whole interactive nature and, and the richness of the feedback and input. So, And I, I like what you said about the translation, you know, cause, um, particularly for Australians, because nobody can understand them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think if, if anybody's been listening to my podcast uh, episodes, yeah, I, I, never take, I, I never lose the opportunity to have a little dig at, at our Australian brothers and sisters at, uh, <laughs> because they, they never take, uh, miss an opportunity of doing the same back to us. <laughs> And when we visited Canada, and I'm going a little bit off off track here, but uh, 
yeah, they, I had a couple of those experiences where, you know, sort of in a store or whatever, and people and the, the person serving me would say, oh, you know, what part of Australia are you from? You know, and it's, <laughs> it's like it's like saying to you, what part of the United States are you from, isn't it? Yeah, I know it's horrible because a lot of it was Australians, uh, Aussies, people from South Africa, I think everybody mixes and minces all of your accents. So, yes, I, I've seen that. Yeah, cool, cool, and it's sort of one of the benefits actually of COVID at the moment because we we haven't got so many Australians coming to New Zealand at the moment, so it's quite 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 nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now, talking about your growth too, and and your spread, your, your the the breadth and st- uh, spread of where you're operating. So you mentioned Australia, but you're not in New Zealand yet, or not yet. But I, I, you know, um, you know. We keep getting new customers and clients and pharmaceutical companies who want to work with us. Honestly, a large percentage of our growth has been word of mouth. Uh, people moving from different companies or people having colleagues that they work with. Uh, so it's it's been very, very in- interesting. I think I might have mentioned to you as well, too, that we're always, uh, you know, growing our company and looking for new account directors. Um, and so uh, you know, New Zealand and Australia is on our map as well. So uh, looking forward to growing our company there. Yes, yeah, good, good, because I can see, you know, based on what you've been telling us and what I've uh, researched, uh, definitely there's a there's a gap in the market. Um, we, you know, there's really good online systems um, already, and you know, you might have it in your software licensing, or you're, you're paying a monthly fee or whatever. Um, and you know, and you know the ones that I'm referring to. But when it comes to your system, you're talking about something, you know, quite quite specific and quite customizable, um, and going. In, you know, through this COVID period, but then post-COVID, whenever that might happen, uh, you know, you, you're, you're going to hit that sweet spot, as I call it. And that leads me on to just as we sort of wind up and finish, the sort of what does the future look like? We we did touch on this a little bit, but, uh, you know, if you if I gave you the keys to to my time machine and uh, said, go where, go as far forward as you wish, but you know, let, let's make it something like five or 10 years. So to you, what does the year 2025 through to 2030 look like? I think collaboration is something that I have a really vested interest in. Um, in the near term future, we're building um, a conference collaboration tool, or we're calling it an event builder, where basically anybody can use our tool to build a conference. I know that there's a lot right now that have this, but we're curating our best in class a- asynchronous tools that are real time inside a synchronous tool. So you can actually have uh, your main stage and all the breakouts and exhibitors and real-time networking. So that's actually going to be very cool and we're something we're, we're really excited about launching uh, in the early next year uh, in a very comprehensive way. But I think moving forward, collaboration is, I'm really excited about the concepts around virtual reality and how we're going to be, for example, interacting with holograms in these mm. virtual sessions so being able to actually sit there in front of your computer and see an actual person in a room and it, it'll, it'll look like every, you know, and so like an overlay of holograms with virtual reality. So how and when that's going to look, I have no idea, but that's something that I'm excited is this, this um, confluence, if you will, of myriad of technologies all melding and molding into an experience so much so that I'm wondering if some people are just some people are going to be working in virtual reality, yes. right? So, so it's going. I mean, it's very difficult right now to uh, for us to even comprehend what that looks like. But you know, as we explore at Impetus, this whole concept of what is ver- what does collaboration look like? 
we're going to be collaborating in a virtual space. And, and I'm excited about what that is going to look like. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it's, it's interesting. You and I have so obviously got some similar thought uh, processes or patterns there that I can recall well over 15 years ago when I was doing my MBA and uh, we were doing the marketing paper, for example, and we had a marketing um, you know, lecturer and he challenged us to say, well, you know, if you, if there were no boundaries, what what do you think the future would look like? And and uh, uh, I do recall, you know, me me being me, I, I sort of can't keep my mouth shut sometimes, but uh, the you know, I did say about holographic technology i said you know we would have uh for example doing this mba program you know you as a lecturer you could be you know in in a room i had no idea of the technology that would do this but you could be in a room and you could be lecturing to thousands of us all over the world and it would be like we were in the room with you and you were in the room with me uh wherever i happened to be and uh you you can probably guess what happened when i said that couldn't you um the 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 lecture, the lecturer kind of shook his head and frowned um quite a few of my um cohort in the classroom sort of uh, covered their their mouths and tittered and and there was a bit of shaking their head so you know uh, way back then i was thought as you know i I'm, i know that i was thought as a bit of a weirdo frankly but um no i see that happening too i think you know, the, the technology is at this at the stage now where you can almost imagine whatever you like and it will happen yeah, I, I, I'm uh, blown away by the acceleration. And I think we're just in this really pivotal time of, um, it's almost like the new industrial revolution, or if you even think about it in the 1600s of the Renaissance, there is so much going on. It's like, it's like going through a tectonic plate, plate that's merging onto another piece of land and causing all this, this mayhem. But at the end of it, we create a diamond at the end of it. So it, we're going through a lot of tumultuous change, but there's something amazing that's going to transpire from all of this pain, short-term pain. Mm. And um, that's kind of how I want to look at it as well, too. And so when we, you know, and technology, there's a lot of people concerned about it and, and, and with, with great, uh, you know, great understanding. So let me give you just a quick, quick example. When Henry Ford first developed the automobile, they were so afraid, the regulators, of these fast-moving things on the streets before when it was just basically a carriage and horse. They mm. had to put all kinds of regulations in place, and oh my goodness, there's these cars that are going like as fast as 50 miles an hour. Um, we need to have a red flagman in front of those cars, walking in front of the car to make sure that everybody is safe. You know, we couldn't even imagine that today. And so as we think today about all the craziness and contact tracing and privacy and security and what does this mean and bioethics and surveillance capitalism and everything, is it's, it's not exactly the same, but it's the same concern of regulators as this is something new and we should be afraid of it. Um, but we're going to be seeing an uptake of technology in a way that we've never seen before, body mm -hmm. sensors. Elon Musk is working in a company called Neuralink when we're going to get an embedding of a of a of chips in our minds so that we can actually work as a collective consciousness and tapping into the internet with our brain. So there's, there's, this is going to be a different world. We're almost in some ways going to become cyborgs uh, in some bizarre, mm -hmm. some you know, form. But I also want to say, I understand too, that there's concerns about the digital divide. Um, we're moving very quickly into the 5g environment. And so it's going to be dividing the have and the have nots. You were talking about the holograms, which is a perfect example of edtech technology. And, you, yes. know, you know, the technology mm -hmm. stocks are what's driving the NASDAQ right now. 
So we as a society need to be really looking at this, uh, a lot of these social concerns along with this cascade that's going on technologically. So, um, you know, everything from, uh, you know, gender and, and, uh, you know, all the inequality and bias that's happening um, to, you know, inequality financially and economically. So um, I do think that we're going to find some great horizon at the end of it. And I think, you know, that's, that's how I choose to see it as the silver lining and all Hmm. of it. Yeah, true. And the digital divide is a, a conversation that's going on here in New Zealand as well, uh, rightly so. And uh, technology like you're talking about, uh, I, done well and done correctly, will will bring that, you know, it, it, it lessen the widening of that divide, but also bring it you know closer together as well. And across all types of uh, uh, cultures and economic situations and so on, uh, I just see, you know, education uh, in whether it's health space or in general, you know, that sort of area of, uh, I've got clinician friends who are saying to me, we're, we're quite concerned because our, you know, district health board, for example, you know, that runs our, our healthcare services in New Zealand, you know, they're cutting back on on lot the professional development costs and lots of areas. Uh, travel is a big part of that because they would be used to going to a conference, which are all part of their professional development and uh, and their, their points system. Uh, you know, that's, that's a real, real worry to them at the moment. You know, how where are they going to be left with that? And and so technology's got to has got to bridge that gap. It's a, it's actually a broadening gap now. Uh, now, but we've got to quickly uh, try and bridge that as well. So um, that that's really good. Uh, I I think <laughs> to be frank, Natalie, you and I could talk for quite a lot longer. And uh, <laughs> I know it's it's getting close to six pm in your time. And and uh, actually, I'm looking outside out my window at the sunshine. So I'm going to get out there in a very shortly. But this has been fascinating. And really, um, what I'd love to do is get you back on the show. Uh, let, let's drill into some of these points we've made and and really uh, see how how things are going to progress and our thoughts and your thoughts on that as well so um thank you very much is there any sort of final word you'd like to chuck in there no thank you scott i mean i i, I agree I, I you and i are both very big on technology healthcare. i love what you're doing at uh, nz hit and uh you know some of the things that we talked about during my fireside chat uh you know you know for anybody who's interested i highly recommend that you listen to scott's interview on that for some of the fen- phenomenal things that you're doing as well. So I'm excited uh, about the progress that's happening uh, in New Zealand as well. So great work and uh, looking forward to hearing more about the progress with your organization as well. Yeah, thank you. And just before you go, um, you if someone's interested, your website or uh, contact details, if you like. Um, yeah, you know. absolutely. So please feel free to come and check us out at Impetus Digital. Impetus Digital so that's spelled I M. P-E-T-U-S, impetusdigital.com. You can find out about all of our products, um, all of the different groups of people in your organization that we can work with. We've got our blogs, videos, our podcasts are all in there. Uh, and you can certainly check us out on LinkedIn. We have a t- uh, You can find us on Twitter as well. Uh, we'd love to have a conversation with you um, and uh, please reach out. Excellent. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you you listeners for joining us today this has been fascinating for me and i i know it will be for all the rest of you as well um make sure to uh, subscribe and to share we want to uh, as i always say towards the end of my podcast uh, you know share the love and uh, you know get it out there because we we love these stories and we've got to we've got to spread them uh, far and wide so thank you again natalie it's r- such a pleasure and um, we'll definitely have you back on if you're willing to do so absolutely love it thank you so much scott for having me great thank you very much goodbye everybody
Thank you for listening to the Digital Health Insights Podcast with Scott Errol. Make sure to subscribe and join us again for more news, views and stories from key health and tech leaders. For more information, please head to our website at www.nzhit.nz where you'll find links to resources, news, events and much more.